Welcome to the Genesis of Startups, where we interview brilliant minds in entrepreneurship to explore what it's really like to start a business. Our guest today is Mark McDuffie, CTO at the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation and Digital Innovation Executive. He has an impressive profile that spans decades across banking, finance and IT and has worked in over five different countries. Founder of both Downsizer.com and Seed Collective, Mark is an experienced startup coach at Sydney Genesis. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you, William. Thank you for having me. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself and the companies you work for? Sure. Thank you. I, as you said, I've, I've had the pleasure of working with Genesis uh, Startups uh, Accelerator for maybe three, three and a half years now, coaching and mentoring. But my, I guess my professional career is more than 25 years, predominantly technology transformation in five different countries and, and mostly in financial services. I worked for, until last year, worked for Commonwealth Bank for 11 years. And when I left, I was leading digital um, and innovation practice there with six or seven scrum teams at any given point in time, um, helping build, design, build and uh, embed new products for you know the benefit of Commonwealth Bank's customers. Uh, since last year, I left Commonwealth Bank, and I've I've been you know busy setting up a couple of my own startups, but also helping other organisations with their startup journey and scale up journeys. Yeah, absolutely. So, what inspired you to start your own companies after you left Commonwealth Bank? Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, you know, let's be honest. We 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 still have to function and pay the pay the mortgage but we we started seed collective is is, is a coaching and consultancy consultancy company we use technology and digital uh, to grow ideas businesses and people so that organization or consultancy entity has had something like i don't know seven or eight core customers over the last over the last 18 months our biggest customer which is actually uh, one of the things we're, um, we're most proud of is is I'm the chief technology officer at the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation. And with ALNF, the focus there is that really there's Indigenous languages are facing a global crisis of extinction. And every 14 days, an Indigenous language disappears globally. In Australia, we've got the, uh, I guess, the, the sad um, statistic of our languages are going extinct at a faster rate here in Australia than anywhere else in the world. But we, as an entity, we help harness the technology to stem the tide of first language loss. And we empower communities to teach and learn in their mother tongues. We created this um, Living First Language platform, which is the first globally scalable platform to preserve and revitalize and teach language in indigenous communities. And, and we are now scaling that internationally. It's capable of changing the lives of over 370 million indigenous peoples in 90 countries. So wow. that doesn't take much um, to be inspired by that. I'm really humbled to be working for that organization as we as we make a difference here in Australia and then take the platform overseas, you know, we're, we're talking to Native American Indians, we're, taking, we're talking to a community in Colombia and Canada. This is, is not just an Australian problem. But Downsizer, which is a prop tech, a residential prop tech uh, startup, which is due to hit the market in uh, the first half of 2021, we do two main things, really. Uh, the, the first is that we allow people to buy off-the-plan residential property with no cash deposit. So downsizers don't need to pay a cent until settlement. And secondly, if the sale falls through and the property subsequently sells for less, we make up the difference for the property developer. So with downsizer, developers never lose money on sales and buyers don't need to pay for a deposit. Wow. 
So these are clearly two very different industries. Uh, I feel I feel like certainly I, I had uh, a bit of a not an epiphany, but in twenty five years plus of product development, design, and leading teams in financial services companies all over the world, I you know I was very lucky to work for one of the most innovative companies in Australia, which is ComBank. You pick up a huge amount of skills in you know customer centered design techniques, design thinking, agile development, delivery strategy coaching consultancy internal consultancy and what i you know i had my own aspirations to create a, a new business which is, is really downsizer but at the same time i was very fortunate to come across and had been i guess aware of alnf's mission for many years having uh, i guess informally coached them on a couple of different points in time so it was really liberating to be asked and you know humbling to be asked by alnf to bring my skills to bear in a non-for-profit environment to help them scale their platform to to have a greater impact so there is definitely there's, there's two sides i would say i'm 50 50 social impact and you know for-profit uh, ventures hmm. so it's just a combination of the experience that you had at combank and then from that experience you met a bunch of different people and you were invited to work on this yeah i mean the seed collective is the you know the consultancy entity that we've created and we've helped people indigenous we've helped indigenous language obviously scaling with the alnf that's opened up other opportunities for we're, we're also helping a community in wa create an indigenous tourism digital application i've helped or we've helped uh, a nun really resell her business which is a, a digital subscription business that sells liturgy prayers and you know to the large diocese and catholic schools and, and churches across new south wales we've helped a number of diverse different bodies so i guess a lot of those that consultancy skills are transferable design skills are transferable and you know i, I we love just helping People create, grow ideas, grow businesses, and you know the coaching side of it helps us coach and mentor and grow people, which is why I was helping Genesis. Absolutely. So, Mark, with all this experience, if you could give one piece of advice to future entrepreneurs, what would it be? Yeah, that's a, again a great question, and I, I, I put some thought to it. And I would, if you'd have asked me kind of twelve months ago, I'd probably lean heavily on you know, customer-centered design throughout your journey or start narrow and expand uh, slowly. But I've plumped for embracing and practicing vulnerability and how to mm. actually use it. Um, if you master it, I think you can use it as a bit of a superpower. Mm. Tell me more. So what do you mean by the power of vulnerability? Well, I think, you know, some people are afraid uh, to ask for help because they think perhaps they'll look stupid or they'll be rejected or it's a sign of weakness perhaps but in, in my experience it's quite the opposite and i think the irony is that most people actually want to help it makes mm. them feel good to help and you know if, if you think about a really simple example that i'm sure everyone has experienced let's say a, a stranger stops you in the middle of the street you're minding your own business you're walking through sydney cbd or Martin place or whatever and someone stops you and asks you for directions to the opera house or something, and you go, no problem. It's you know second, second on the left down the road. They leave happy, but you feel at least for a microsecond, you feel pretty good about yourself, right? Yeah. There's no different, in my opinion, to helping people in corporate lives. I feel like people are hardwired for connection and to help other people. And really, if if you asking them questions about their expertise and they can pass that on to you as advice or coaching or mentorship. There's an exchange there that makes that benefits both parties. Yeah, 
Absolutely. So on the one hand, you know, you feel good. On the other hand, you're helping someone else. And to touch back on something that you briefly mentioned, why is it difficult for people to ask for help? It seems as though whenever we realize there's a problem, we kind of shy away or perhaps we don't really want to bother other people. Yeah, I, 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 in my experience, and I'm, I have to say that really fully embracing and practicing vulnerability for me is a fairly new thing in, in my career. I would say five years ago, I really I was at a low point and I, I health-wise, and just I always kept it a secret. It was like a pulling your finger out of the dam because it's really helped my career grow exponentially and you know mentally, physically, and career-wise, I'm much better now that I live and breathe vulnerability day in, day out. But I feel like people, it might be a generational thing. For me, you know, I was brought up in a really hardworking Glaswegian family of tradies in the UK. And I think it's an outdated view that if you if you show vulnerability, it's a sign of weakness. So I, I observed my family, and I think back to this quite a lot. A few of my elder families, aunties and uncles, would often not stray out of conversation lines to, to areas they didn't understand or didn't know about because they felt it would be seen as weakness. Hmm. Well, invariably, back to my other example, when I was a kid, my dad would never ask for directions. You'd walk, you'd be on holiday, and you'd just walk for miles. And you, <laughs> instead of actually, you know, asking for help is such a small thing, but can has, have such a big payoff. So I don't really understand anymore why people don't ask for help, which is why I'm trying to pass this on to uh, as many young startup and entrepreneurs as possible. Yeah, as you mentioned, it can be a generational thing or it just there's a myriad of reasons why people may not want to ask for help. But how can one get over this then? Yeah, I, I feel like it can be a bit of a, an irrational fear. And as I said, believe, believe me, I, I used to be a little like this in my early corporate career. I would move, um, I'd move countries and, you know, and not, you're working in non-English speaking countries. And if you, you know, I still wouldn't ask for help for direction, simple stuff. And then when you put yourself in a working environment in an office, there's a lot of high pressure in, in, you know, financial services, banking, insurance globally. And if you, if you're a new person and you arrive and you rock up from another country, that's hard. And Hmm. I, I used to make it even harder by almost pretending I knew things. And I, I, I feel like how you break that down is like just trying it and practicing it because, and, and you can actually start really small, right? You can start really small and just instead of when you're in a conversation with someone you either half know, or maybe it's in your friends, maybe you can relate to this. Have you ever been in a, in a conversation where someone says, oh, have you read that book by such and such? And most, <laughs> most of the group nod their heads and say, yes, even though they haven't. Right, so you've just missed out on an opportunity to hear because if someone says, "Have you read that book by, let's say, have you, have you read the Business Model Generation Canvas by, um, yeah, and a strategizer?" The young entrepreneurs go, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah," because they want to connect with you. But actually, if they say, "No," can you tell me more about what what you thought of it? The person saying that will give you that insight, whereas if you if they think you know it, then they'll move on quickly and they won't repeat it. So you've just missed out on an exchange of information that would give you more. Uh, I don't know if you've if you've come across that. You know, have you been in a group of friends and someone says, "If oh, have you seen that movie?" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They haven't seen it. They're just nodding. Yep, I completely understand where what you're saying. Yeah, so I feel it is irrational, and you can start really small by just saying no. 
I haven't seen that movie or I haven't said, read that book or I didn't see that documentary. Can you tell me why it was important to you? Or what? Yeah. tell me why I should watch it? So yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. And the same is, I think, if you apply that to business or startup speak, you, you, you could, let's say you get into a room with an industry mentor, you know, through your network or through Genesis or through, through someone you've been put in front of an industry network or an industry mentor that can help you. Now, let's, let's use my example, right? Let's, let's, I've, this is me, right? I'm, I've never been in prop tech until 12, 18 months ago. I have been in financial services. I have been in digital design. I have been in lots of other businesses. But if you get in front of an industry mentor and you're called downsizer and you're in a prop tech space, that mentor may assume that you know more than you actually know about that industry. And again, you're missing out on information exchange from them because they might assume you know it. So hmm. they might say, have you seen, have you read this economist briefing on the future of property in uh, this segment or in this area? And you nod. You've just missed out on what what they were going to tell you about. So I, I feel like, you know, you can actually break this quite easily and just test it because I actually feel that people want to give you the information. Hmm. It seems like you miss the opportunity for something that you can learn and take away from. Completely, yeah. Going back to the point of what you said about, you know, from your experience with working in countries where you didn't speak the language and you wanted to be seen as someone who knew that what they were doing. Where can I go wrong? Because I, I get totally understand what you're saying, but what if, you know, you try to seem like you know what you're doing in order to get more opportunities? Uh, yeah. I, 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 I believe that. So I wasn't openly practicing that kind of aggressive, if you like vulnerability back then. And I, I feel like I may have lost out on it. I was a contractor, you know, I would, I would take a job uh, working in a technology company in, in Holland, for example. Yeah, they speak English, but you miss out on some of the dialogue because, you know, 90% of the, the employees are speaking another language. And um, I think it can go wrong because you can, you can really miss out on, uh, again, on, on information if you're, if you're not really being fully authentic, I, I think it's better to, to take it another way. And it's, I actually got this. I mean, there's a real story from um, a boss in Holland that was really unhappy about the fact that I was getting quite well paid as a, as a contractor, but I hadn't been educated in Holland and I didn't have a university degree. So he, hmm. he took it upon himself to continually try and find someone to replace me with my skills. Now, I probably handled that. I was earlier in my career and I probably handled it in, in a – perhaps immature way than, than I would do now because I was like, oh, well, you, you can't find anyone with my skills. So there, you know, but if I'd have tackled it in a different way and said, hey, I've got this really unique, unique set of skills that allows me to understand this system or this platform or this industry, but what I don't understand, what I don't have is your local knowledge about the Dutch or the German or the Italian insurance needs market. If you can share that with me, both of us will benefit, hmm. right? So I almost I think there's this proverb that says, like if you if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So I think it's for me it's being right, almost articulating what you can bring and why why you're talking to them, and making sure that you're clear that you're not in competition. You're actually trying to help each other, because I mean I think we're straying into I guess corporate life vulnerability versus startup 
vulnerability. Hmm. Um, because I, I feel like a lot of, again, a generational thing, right? I mean, that's 15 years ago when I worked uh, in, in Holland in that way. I feel like the the workforce demographic is changing. Less people are staying in jobs for, you know, 15, 20 years plus. More people are staying on average two to three years. I saw a study that most, most people leaving or joining the workforce now um, plan to be in that job or that company for less than three years and then they'll move. And that's, that's, that's really healthy. And I feel like those older conversations when you're in a an industry like for example i was in banking for, for many years but in even in combank there had been people there that were in their jobs for 25 30 years and they used information as power so i can see how it would be you would feel like it was a weakness if you gave your power to them by saying i don't know this because they would prey on you a little hmm. bit. but those days are gone right i mean there's less and less fortunately there's less and less people like that in the in in the industry and i feel like from a if you take it back to startup land if you get in front of a an industry mentor like that now by definition of you them accepting a meeting with you they want to help you i don't think those the, the i guess the people to be wary of wouldn't have taken a meeting with you right so i feel like everyone i have i mean everyone i've coached through genesis i feel like that mentor group in Genesis, the coaches and mentors in Genesis are all like me, wanting to give back, wanting to help, wanting to fill in gaps for startups and entrepreneurs. So really, if if then if startups and entrepreneurs aren't asking for those kind of meetings and those sessions in an honest, authentic way and showing vulnerability about their gaps, they're missing an opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's a very valuable and interesting perspective because it's an outdated method, you know. When you try to be in competition and authenticity and vulnerability really takes you a long way. As you mentioned with your proverb, it takes you further away. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, I, I can't say I was like that my whole career, but I certainly feel like now, and this is why we're having the conversation, right? I feel like uh, that could be used by a whole new generation of entrepreneurs to go further. How does someone know who to ask help from then? It's a good question. I feel like I'll take that to being back to being a little bit vulnerable with yourself. It starts with the self-awareness and you looking within to say, really, honestly, what are my gaps or what are my startups gaps? Because if you don't know that, then you're not being honest with yourself for a start. So how can you, it doesn't matter what mentor or which person you approach, you're not being really honest. So mm. you are being really honest with yourself and saying, right, I know everything about, I know a lot of things. Let's, again, use me as an example. I don't care. Um, I know a lot of things about digital design, development, finances, banking, insurance, markets, trading, all that kind of stuff. But what I didn't know a lot about was property tech. So if I wasn't being honest with myself, I would just plow on and, and assume that I had the answers for the new product I was developing. But I would probably fail. So I need to be very honest and reach out to identify and reach out to people that fill my gap. You know, people that have been in the industry for many years that have seen, uh, you know, decades of change. What what happens when when the GFC hits? What what it's the worst that can happen? And those people that have been through, you know, large economic shifts or seismic shifts in any industry, of people that have got lots of experience that can pass that on to you. So you should be trying to find the right people that fill the gaps and have got experience in that space. So it, it's probably it's probably not exactly the answer. 
that you want, but it starts within, right? You need to know really honestly where your gaps are and where your company gaps are. Uh, I, For example, I coached a startup a couple of years ago, liked their idea, liked their concept, liked, uh, understood the need, um, but we looked at the founder group and I said, look, I feel like you need to fill some gaps because I can't see... I can't see a lot of knowledge in AI. And it was it was a feedback session that we gave. And I said, uh, what gaps have you got? None, we've got the right team. And I said, cool. Can you tell me uh, your experience of developing machine learning and AI algorithms? Well, we haven't we haven't got anyone. And I was like, well, that, that, that's the reason for the question, right? So um, if you're saying in the first interview with a mentor, we've got the right team to deliver, and you're in an AI company and you haven't got anyone that's written a line of code, any investor is just going to laugh at you. So I guess that's my way of answering that. You need to really be honest with yourself about what, you, what you're missing and what, what you're trying to achieve um, as a company or an individual, and then work through who can help plug that gap for you. It's also not as, I mean, starting out now is much, you've got all the tools at your disposal, right? You've got LinkedIn, you've got accelerators, you've got networks. And it doesn't always have to be asking someone, reaching out to someone and saying, hey, I need your help on this. It can be, hey, I see that you're a friend or a network with this other individual that I really need or would really welcome input from. Can you connect me? Right? So it doesn't always have to be one for one. I think it can be a network effect, um, but it all starts from understanding your own gaps. So you need to be self-aware. Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest difficulty isn't where to find the mentor or who. It's just a greater understanding and self-awareness of what actually you need help with. And that kind of filters through the who. Uh, I can, Yes. Uh, I feel like there's never been, and I sometimes do guest lectures at, at the University of the Sydney, and I often open up with, look, it's never been a better time to be in strategy, innovation, and entrepreneurship because you have all of these te- technologies that remove barriers, uh, not just for development, but Barriers for connection, um, you know, this six degrees of separation years ago is, is down to one or two. Um, mm. So if you really genuinely understand your gaps and what, and you align that to where you're trying to go, it should be easier than ever. I'm not, I'm not uh, underplaying it. It's still hard, but it's easier to un- identify the who when you understand what's missing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the Genesis of Startups today, Mark. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, if anybody wants to reach out to me, uh, as, I, as I said, you can reach out to me LinkedIn. It's uh, go through the Genesis Network, or I'm always here to give free advice. Uh, the last thing I'll say is that if you if you are being vulnerable and asking for help, you genuinely gotta you've gotta take that feedback on because there's nothing worse as a as a mentor when you can see that someone's not taking on board uh, genuine vulnerability is actually wanting the feedback as well it's not just asking for it yeah definitely it was incredibly valuable having you talk about vulnerability vulnerability as a superpower and how to ask for help to our audience if you'd like to learn more about mark mcduffie or about the genesis of startups feel free to reach out to us on linkedin facebook or twitter until next time